Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Welcome into the show. Great to be back with Kurt talking Steelers football. Just a note for our listeners, we appreciate you. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. And we appreciate that. Kurt, a weird weekend of football, right? Just you know, just crazy yeah. teams that we thought would win. Dallas, Buffalo, teams like that. They lose. Even the Saints throw them in there. These teams lose. The Rams. And then teams we thought would probably go down like Arizona without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, they win going away against the 49ers. It's just like one of those weekends where you just you don't even know what you're watching. And it was no. def- it was definitely not a straightforward game for the Steelers either on Monday night against the Bears. It was a weird, crazy game. Lots of twists and turns. And uh, the Steelers were lucky to come out of this with a W. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'd, even... even uh... Ben Roethlisberger said after the game, you know, we, we played good enough, you know, and that's, that's really all you can say, but they really didn't play good enough. I mean, there were, there were some breaks had to fall their way. You know, that, that fumble that Chris Boswell recovered and the, the, you know, the, the just, just some really strange, like, like plays that you really don't expect to happen. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a game that, as a Steelers fan, you aren't you aren't completely surprised when they have a game that goes this way. You know, you can never feel completely comfortable with this team because they they are so inconsistent. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just it was one of those deals where a few a couple of plays go the wrong direction, and you know, Chicago you know probably wins that game and that that's removing the officiating and everything else that everybody's concerned about it just just to play on the field there were some plays that that Pittsburgh got um the 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 pass where Ben Roethlisberger basically palmed it 40 yards that's um ball that slips, out, slips in his hand and he chucks it out there and James Washington's got the 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 wherewithal to notice and come back and dive and catch that ball on that forty yard forty two yard completion. I mean, that play is not supposed to happen. You know that that, that isn't a play that they're supposed to make. Um, ben threw one right into a Chicago defender's hands and it went right through. I mean, they're just plays like that that you just don't understand why they fell the way they did. But they they really probably shouldn't have worked out for them the way it did. But uh. The defense had some lapses again. Chicago has nothing to – that they shouldn't feel bad for how they performed. I think Justin Fields had a pretty good game. He was getting harassed. So, uh, so yeah, P- Pittsburgh, they caught a break. I don't, I don't know when their luck's going to run out, but uh, they, they got one more week out of it anyway. 
Yeah, it was a little lucky. A little lucky, right? And Bears fans feel good, right? Because Justin Fields played well. They didn't get embarrassed like they did against the Browns and the Bucks, And they could just blame the refs for this game, right? Because the penalties were yeah. so out of whack, yeah. Kurt. Uh, and that's been the big talking line on social, right? 12 penalties, yeah. 115 yards for the Bears. Five penalties for 30 yards for the Steelers. And, you know, mm-hmm. were the Steelers that much more disciplined than the Bears? Were the Bears just that stupid and they committed all those fouls? Um, yeah, I don't know. You could make a case, right? I don't know. The big call was the Cassius Marsh thing. Old friend Cassius Marsh, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So that was such a huge swing in the game, right? The Bears had made a stop. Marsh comes flying in, makes the sack on Roethlisberger. It's third down. The Bears are about to get the ball back. Down three, right, at the time with about three minutes remaining. Right. And Marsh, who was a former Patriot as well, uh, Kurt, so I know that he is a tool bag, like Cassius Marsh. Yeah. Like, this guy, like, oh, my God. what a You're just elevated off the practice squad why are you even yeah. looking at the Steelers bench I know you used to be on the yeah. Steelers but my god what are you doing dude go celebrate with your teammates so like I understand why Steelers Twitter is pushing back on this and saying oh well, yeah it's taunting what do you want us to do we're not going to apologize for this but here's my question not whether it was the right call but as a fan like can you stomach a call like that where after the Bears had made a play they made a stop they're about to get the ball back that flag that is kind of ticky tacky that is a 15-yard automatic first down, allows the Steelers to keep the ball with first down, and really helps them salt that game away, honestly. That, that's how it happened. As a fan, yeah. can you stomach that? I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I'm glad the game worked out the way it did, but I hope, I hope Bears fans don't think that Steelers fans are sitting back and gloating about that call because they've been on the wrong end of bad calls. I mean, you can't. You, you can't sit there. And, and I don't even know, like you said, I don't even know if you can call it a bad call. I mean, letter of the law, you know, Marsh walked eight yards from where the play happened to the, toward the Steelers' sideline. The punt team was already coming out onto the field, and he's still staring down the Steelers' sideline. I mean, the spirit of the rule and the way the rule's written, he absolutely was taunting. You, it just, it's unfortunate that a guy did that in that situation. I mean, he, he comes up off the sack and he does his spinning high kick or whatever that was to celebrate the, the blood sport, John Claude Van Damme move, you know, and be happy with that. You did your big, you did your little spin kick, rush off, high five all your buddies, you know, move on. But I guess he wanted to make a point the fact that a month ago he was on the Steelers and they chose to release him. And he he was gonna you know show him this is what he he can do and I, I I hate it for him that it happened but I definitely personally don't look at it as a bad call I I I think it was definitely taunting and and I was the first one that came out and said <clears throat> when the emphasis on taunting was was being discussed at the start of the year I said that I expected you know Chase Claypool to have ten taunting penalties this year. And, you know, the thing is, he hasn't. And Mike Tomlin got to him and explained to him all that showboating you did last year. You know, there was a play last year where he was pointing for a first down. I think it was against the Titans or somebody. And he he smacked a Titans player in the head. And the Titans player pushed his hand away. And he just did it like 10 more times right on top of that Titan guy's head after he made the catch. You know, that's a penalty this year. I mean, there's no... You know, and I said, I said, Chase Claypool is going to get murdered on these taunting calls. He hasn't gotten any. So the team went to the players, obviously, and Juju Smith-Schuster didn't get any taunting penalties before he got hurt. 
you know, guys I expected to get these calls haven't, haven't had these calls. And that's, that's a credit to the coaching staff. Clearly the, the bears coaching staff, you know, obviously, you know, Cassius Marsh hadn't been on the team, you know, hadn't been on the active roster, been on the practice squad, but th- they need to have that conversation with their players and say, Hey, it can be a bad, you don't like, you can not like the rule, but the rule still exists. And so I, I don't, I don't feel like it was a bad call at all. I mean, there were some terrible calls. I think that the the hit that Alex Highsmith did on Justin Fields should have been roughing the passer. Definitely. I said it should have been roughing the passer. I don't believe that the hit on Fields when he was when he was a runner was a penalty. Agreed. Um, I think he slid way too late for for them to throw the flag. But I said it on Twitter. I said they should have called that flag on Highsmith. No doubt about it. He was two and a half steps when he went ahead and hit Fields. That that should have been a flag. All the false starts, it's unfortunate. But when you're playing at Heinz Field, it's loud. And when you got T.J. Watt lined up across from you, you can't fault a guy for for flinching. There have been people posted some clips on on Twitter since then that showed six or eight more times that the the Bears jumped off sides that they didn't get called. Yeah, the tackles, so, I mean, the tackles kept yeah, going. Yeah, the tackles, those tackles were flinching all game long. I mean, they didn't call all of them. So I don't know that you can really make too big an issue about it. You know, the Robert Quinn lining up off in the neutral zone a couple of times, and so somebody posts a still shot of T.J. Watt supposedly lined up in the neutral zone on the field goal try. I have no, I will never argue that the NFL officials aren't, aren't inept. I, I, no doubt. But nobody's on the take. Nobody's out to help anybody else. You know, officiating is inconsistent. It's always going to be inconsistent. Yep. But – if you want to really break it down play by play, you know, how many holding calls don't get called when TJ Watt gets held? How many, you know, there, there's so many of those plays that happen. You just kind of have to take what the, what the officiating gives you and you got to win in spite of it. And that's kind of what Tomlin preaches to his team. That's why you don't hear Steelers guys talk about bad calls or officiating too much because those are things that are out of their control. All they can do is, is try to not commit those penalties and hope that nobody calls them. But, I don't. I don't really feel any sympathy for for the Bears fans because of what Marsh did. Um, he should have known better. He should have just known better than to do that. No, he should have. And yeah, I, I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, Mike Tomlin comes out says he's a proponent for these taunting calls. That's because he's gotten to his guys. He, his guys know he's not worried yeah. about this thing. Oh, I'm stunned that the Bears coaches have not gotten to their guys, Kurt. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. To, your, to your point on the holding calls, right? Like I agree that what Cassius Marsh did could could be considered taunting. I also think that it was borderline. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't like slapping right, somebody on the helmet. Right. So I just, I don't know why Tony Carrenti couldn't look at it and be like, yo, as Cassius Marsh is running by Carrenti, instead of hip checking him, whatever that thing was. Yeah, what, what yeah, was that? I know, I, that, yeah. to, that to me is the bigger conversation. Yeah. What in the world was Tony yeah. Carrenti doing <laughs> deciding to hip check Marsh on the way out and then throw the flag? It yeah. looks so obvious that he was throwing the flag for contact. He just hated Not him. Not a taunt. Right? Yeah, Carretti just hated Cassius Marsh. He just hates him. Weird. Carretti, yeah, instead of like hitting him with your with your ass, like whatever you're doing, just like grab the kid and be like, hey, I was about to call a game-changing taunting penalty on you. You can't do that. Don't do it. Like teach yeah. the kid. I don't know why the refs can't do that because you could call yep. – these penalties could go either way. And I think at the end of the game as a fan, I, I hate seeing flags like that. We see it all the time. Oh, I do too. A lot of things going on in this game that the Steelers – you know, they can look back on and be like, whew, man, the game could have changed if that didn't happen. And 
Well, they were in control, Kurt. Up 10 when Ray Ray McLeod mm-hmm. uh, fumbled that football. Yep. And uh, goes that for six. Was big. Oh, it was huge. And it's led to a conversation on by Steelers fans and media about, like, can we get somebody better? You wrote about that on Steelers Wire. Mike Tomlin yeah. said, nope, we're going to stick with McLeod. What's your reaction to that? He's it. He's our guy. And he's had two very costly – he had one against the Bengals, too. Very costly fumbles on returns. And I I don't know. I guess this point in the season, you just don't have a lot of options. Um, can't imagine that, that, you know, Anthony McFarland didn't run a kick or two back at Maryland or Cody White, at, you know, or in college or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, and, and this is something that has been ongoing with the Steelers. I mean, they – they kept putting Antonio Brown out there to return kicks when everybody, nobody understood why they were putting him at risk when he was their best skill player. And he just kept trotting him out there to run kicks and punts back. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think eventually that's going to come back to get him leaving McLeod out there. And at least we saw him less on offense this week. Um, We did see James Washington get more snaps than he did on offense. But uh, yeah, the fact that he's out still out there returning kicks and punts is, I think, eventually he's gonna. It, it probably should have cost him last week's game, and it it could definitely cost him a game before the year's out. But are they yeah, terrified cool. to put Deontay back there? I think so. I think probably so. I think that that's a. I think right now they look at it as Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth are the only two legitimate options out as, you know, pass catchers other than Najee Harris. And I think they don't want to risk that. I, I think they're going to, they're going to keep him as is, um, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're going to rein McLeod in and, you know, try to try to convince him to maybe not run those out of the end zone or whatever the case may be. But yeah, it's, it's every time he touches the ball, it makes me nervous because he's, he, he just, you know, there's there's nothing you can do on a on a play like that. Even if they don't pick it up and scoop it and run it in, you've just given them points at at that point. Even if the Bears just fall on it, you know it's it's too much, too much at that point in the game. It, it it completely flipped the momentum. I mean, at that point, the the momentum shifted in such a big way. A hundred percent. The only way the Steelers lose that game is if a play like that happens, right, Kurt? Like, that's the yeah, play. That's yeah, the that's, play the Bears needed. They they weren't going to win that game without it. And they almost, yeah, I mean, they I almost said, came back. Yeah, I said clean football was was the key for Pittsburgh. And luckily, Chicago just didn't play as clean a game as Pittsburgh did. I mean, neither team played a very clean game. But just luckily, the Bears made more kind of unforced errors than Pittsburgh did in, in when it was all said and done. You know, Bears had that fumble on that on that kickoff and – you know, there were there were both teams had some pretty pretty ugly plays. Just just fortunately that Pittsburgh had a few you know a few less than Chicago did. That's a perfect bookend to a weird weekend of NFL football, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Bears fans are probably excited about Justin Fields. He had his best game. He had never thrown oh, Kurt man. for more than two hundred yards, and every time he had played a really good defense, like I mentioned earlier, Browns sacked him nine times. The Bucks they were up thirty five to three in at halftime when they played and uh, you were worried as you know, the Steelers might just feast on Justin Fields like these other teams did, but the defense didn't right. They didn't really feast on fields and and fields kind of had his way as the game went on. Let's talk about the defense here on the other side. We'll be right back. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. 
Welcome to week 10 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays as we approach the playoff push. It hasn't been pretty since week one for Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence in his debut season, but he has a chance for redemption against the Indianapolis Colts in week 10. Yes, he has no more than one passing touchdown in each game since week one, and his weapons are suspect, but the Colts offense is doing enough to force him into a pass-happy script. The Colts have given up huge numbers to quarterbacks in 2021, including a league-high 23 touchdown passes. Last week, even the Jets were able to shred this group through the air. Only one team has yielded more fantasy points per game, and this is the third-best opponent to face for yardage. Playing Lawrence is risky, but the matchup is brilliant. Washington football team running back J.D. McKissick versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. On the ground, this matchup is awful. Both teams return from their bye, but a common byproduct of being such a stout run defense is a team usually gives up serious volume to pass-catching backs. In the last five weeks, this defense ranks fifth in receptions allowed per game to the position. A dozen teams have yielded more aerial yards per game in that time frame, and three touchdowns over the last 29 receptions faced by running backs makes a pretty compelling case to play McKissick. He's a sound RB2 in PPR this week. Wide receiver Russell Gage, Atlanta Falcons at Dallas Cowboys. Only 11 teams have given up more catches per game than the Cowboys to wide receivers in the last five weeks, and this is the third highest rate for touchdowns against by the position. Dallas's offense is poised to rebound after what we saw last week, which should promote more passing by Atlanta. The matchup profiles for a stronger day by Gage than it does for Titan Kyle Pitts, and while Atlanta's de facto wide receiver one is risky business and fantasy, he is coming off an eight-target game and has scored at least 13.4 PPR points in two of his last three outings. Don't expect a huge day, but there's definite wide receiver three utility here in PPR scoring. Minnesota Vikings tight end Tyler Conklin at Los Angeles Chargers. He's a fine fantasy play in Week 10 as the Bolts have given up the third most yards per game to tight ends, 77, since Week 4 on the 18th most catches. A touchdown every 9.5 receptions sits as the 10th highest frequency against. One caveat here, the health of Los Angeles cornerbacks. In the past few weeks, injuries have enabled opposing wide receivers to have some fun against this defense that's otherwise strong against the position. And Minnesota has obviously very capable wideouts on the outside. That could work against Conklin. However, However, it also enables him to draw single coverage and roam freely. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kurt, one interesting thing that you were tweeting about during the game uh, is that the Steelers' defense, as good as it is and as dominant as it can be at times, it tends to have a few bad series per game, right? And they had some yep. bad series of football against Justin Fields and the Bears at some inopportune times, especially late in the game. Like, man, the time for the Steelers' defense to shut down the Bears would have been that late drive where Fields hits the deep ball to Allen Robinson, who's really been struggling. 
You know, he hits mm-hmm. the, he hits the deep ball to A Rob, and they end up going in and scoring the touchdown and taking the lead, putting the Steelers at risk of losing the football game late. I mean, yeah. there was a couple spots here where the defense they didn't really rise to the occasion at home like you probably would have wanted them to, right? So, A, right. is that a concern for you? And B, you know, where should we be directing our ire? Right? Is it at Keith Butler? Does he deserve to be called out at this point? He's he's the guy I'm pointing fingers at at this point. I I just have to feel like. And to answer the first part of the question, I absolutely worry about this because it has been consistent every game this this year. Um, the Steelers have two or three just terrible, terrible drives on defense, and they just they they typically get run on pretty good in those drives. Um, the the secondary that's usually when you can point to when the tight ends kind of feast on the secondary. And you saw Cole Komet have a couple of catches on that a couple of those drives. Um, but yeah, Keith Butler's the guy that I'm looking at. And I, I said that after the game, I wrote about that after the game, there is too much talent on the Steelers defense, not to be more consistent. I'm not asking them to be the number one defense in the league, but there is no, there is no legitimate excuse other than just not being put in the positions they need to for why this defense has lapses where they give up a couple of easy touchdowns every game or a couple easy scores or, you know, giving up third and longs and things like that. I mean, I, I know Justin Fields is a good football player and the the Bears have some some nice skill players, but um, they just have have moments where they just got gashed, you know, and it's like you know you don't you don't understand. And I know that credit to Justin Fields. He found the the weak link in the chain in the Steelers secondary, and he went after Arthur Millette a couple of times on that touchdown drive. And the, credit to him. I mean, that's smart. He saw Millette come out there. You know, Millette's more of a safety, really, that they're trying to convert to cornerback. And credit to him for seeing that mismatch and going after it because, you know, a lot of rookies wouldn't even notice that. They're going to look for their guy, not the other guy. And so credit to Justin Fields for kind of picking that that mismatch out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the defense to me, and I know there's problems. The, the depth up front on the defensive line, those guys just aren't great. You know, it's Cam Hayward and just a bunch of dudes at this point on the defensive line with no Tyson Alualu, with no Stephon Tuitt. I mean, you've got Henry Mondu playing big snaps. Um, that, that's not good for, for this team long term with the schedule they have coming up. You know, you, you get past Detroit, and then they've got three playoff teams in a row on their schedule. They've got they've got Baltimore, they've got Cincinnati, and they got they got the Chargers. And so, you know, the, the the defensive line, and there's just no fixing it at this point. Carlos Davis went on IR. Tyson Lulu's on IR. Stephon Tuitt's still on IR. You know, they're just piecing guys together on that defensive front, and I think they just kind of wear down. I think they just. And then you've got Devin Bush back there at linebacker, and you got Joe Schobert, both guys who who are nice athletes, good tacklers, but they they can't block, they can't shed guards, you know. And these guards are getting down there and locking those guys up, and then they're just they just disappear. And then you got David Montgomery, you know, breaking off these runs, and yeah, it's 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 tough to watch sometimes. But I I. I have to look at Keith Butler and wonder, is he really the guy that can maximize the talent on this defense? I think you're seeing Matt Canada on offense really kind of maximize the talent. He's finding ways to get Chase Claypool to football. He's finding ways to, 
get James Washington the football. You know, he's, you know, Pat Fryermuth, he's finding ways to get his guys involved. I think Keith Butler's doing the same thing. And I think that's, that's unfortunate for a, a team with so many top draft picks on defense, so much money wrapped up in that defense that they haven't figured out, um, you know, how, how to make better use of, of the talent on that, on that side of football. It's, it's pretty unfortunate to me. I think that Butler's another one of these guys that's been part of the Steelers organization for a while, um, sort of like Randy Feekner was. And, you know, Randy Feekner was, was heavily praised by Tomlin, heavily praised by Roethlisberger. He didn't have a job. You know, he was a coach for a long, long time. Steelers cut him loose and no one wants him. And I think Keith Butler is going to kind of fall into that same category. At some point, Keith Butler is not going to have a job with the Steelers anymore, and he's not going to have a job in the NFL anymore because there, there's no growth there for him. There's no there's no upside to hiring Keith Butler at this point. So I know that's kind of harsh. I know a lot of Steelers fans are kind of, kind of hip on Keith Butler. He replaced a legend. At defensive coordinator, and he just he just hasn't lived up to the to the to the expectations of being you know a mentor to you know one of Dick LeBeau's prodigies, and he just hasn't lived up to the to billing since he's taken over. No, that's that's interesting commentary right there, and and I think it's real. There's a lot of concerns, but I think the silver lining, Kurt, is that the Steelers have not played their best football yet, right? And here they are, nope. <laughs> a chance to beat up on a bad Lions team. And we'll get to that game a little bit in depth coming up here, but a chance to beat up on the Lions and you're at six wins. And you're and you yeah. be at six wins in this AFC that we talked about this last week. The AFC just com- continues to be baffling, right? I mean, the Titans and the Ravens, I don't really believe in either of those two teams. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh the Chargers right now are your three seed. Do you think the Chargers are a great football team? Uh, the no. Bills have plummeted all the way down to number four because they just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they're five and three, Kurt, and now the Patriots somehow have won three straight and they're five and four. And the Patriots are a half game behind the Bills. And I'm just like, what what is going on here? Yeah. Now I'm a pa- I'm a Pats fan. So now I have to like, you know, I've been blissfully watching the Patriots all year, zero expectations, go Mac Jones, whatever. We'll see how it goes. No, no now I have to invest <laughs> on Sundays. I have to like Now you've got to yeah, be invested now again. I'm on, I'm on the edge right. of my seat, man. It's like, well, no, man, what what's going on here? The Bills are supposed to run away with this. Why why are we in this? And it brings me to the Steelers, right? Like they, ha- I don't know if I'm all in on the Steelers yet, but man, they have the defense to do it, right? If they can, if Butler and company mm-hmm. can just figure it out, they have the personnel for sure. And you beat the Lions, and then you go into that stretch that you were talking about. You get you you keep start winning, go on a run. The Steelers are still in this thing, not only just to make the playoffs. They're they're in this thing to like be a make a run to make a run and like be a a real figure in the AFC. I think no one's really yeah. talking about the Steelers in this in this conference. But with their defense, if they can just, I don't know, just tighten it up on offense, defense, and special teams, all three phases, they just need to tighten it up, Kurt, yeah. get it all to mesh yep. together, play their best football. If they can put it all together, they've got the pieces to to beat anybody in this conference. They do. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the AFC's a mess. I mean, the AFC, I mean, you got 12 teams in the AFC with at least four wins. It's insane. You know, 12 of 16 teams are firmly in the playoff hunt for seven spots. I mean, New England's sitting there as a seventh seed at five and four. Well, there's four more teams at five and four that just aren't in the playoffs. So, I mean, you just never know week to week where anybody's going to be. I mean, where I look at it is, is Pittsburgh has their playoffs in their own hands. They just have to. Because one loss at this point, it's going to shuffle. You've got, you've got the Chargers at the three seed at five and three, and you've got Pittsburgh at the six seed at five and three. 
And then you've got the Broncos are five and four, and they're the eleventh ranked team in the AFC. <laughs> Go figure. So the difference between three and eleven is a half game right now. And I mean, that's just insane to me that that here we are halfway through the season, and there there no one wants to like take take control. Now I think Tennessee, yeah, that was great. Tennessee won, but eventually not having Derrick Henry is going to catch up with them. Agreed. You know, I mean, I think at some point the fact that they can't just count on, I don't think you can count on Adrian Peterson to, to, to handle that workload. And I'm like you, I, I think, I think Lamar Jackson's a great player. I think he's exciting, but I don't trust the Ravens as a team to keep the pace they're going right now. Um, that game in three weeks when, when Pittsburgh, you know, when Baltimore comes to Pittsburgh in three weeks or four, I guess it'd be four weeks, December 5th. And that game could be for the lead in the AFC North easily. No doubt. No doubt. For the lead in the AFC. And Pittsburgh's one and three at one point this year. I mean, how does that even I, – I don't know how that happens in a, in a year, except in a year when there's a lot of teams that are just so close in talent. You know, thankfully the, the Texans and Dolphins and Jaguars and Jets are down there to hold up the floor. But even that, you know, Jacksonville – finds a way to beat the Bills last week. I mean, there's just no telling. I think other than Houston, you really can't count on on any of these teams playing bad consistently. And I think they're just their whole franchise is just kind of a a dumpster fire. So I don't you know, I don't know what their what their plans are long term, but but yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. I think it's great. I think it's great for fans. I think it's great for all NFL fans. I'm at the point in the season now where I'm gonna I'll do a lot of a lot of breakdowns of who are the Steelers rooting for in a given week. And that article is going to be huge because there, there's going to be six games a week that are going to matter to the Steelers other than the ones they're playing in. And I think that's, that's, that's awesome for NFL fans. Cause you're watching the, you're watching the, the whole ticker. You're watching the red zone channel because there are so many games that are going to matter other than just your game. Yeah, I'm gonna need you because I'm not uh, I'm not smart enough to know all the tiebreakers, Kurt. So I'm gonna need your, your <laughs> yeah. It's just with all these there's, teams. There's and all, some, yeah, it's there's crazy. some math involved in uh-huh, that. Uh huh. Uh, the math should be pretty simple with Steelers Lions, right? We should be able to figure out the math on this one. Steelers, seven, yeah, seven and a half point favorites on Tipico. We'll get into that matchup and make a pick coming up next. This is the Tipico Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday Night Football matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Chiefs favored minus 2.5. Their money line is minus 145, so Raiders are plus 120 to win that game outright. The total's 51.5. I'm on the Raiders plus two and a half. Um, I think we get some value after they had an absolutely pathetic performance at the New York Giants last week, and I don't think enough is being made of the struggles of the Kansas City offense and the mediocrity or just terribleness of their defense. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? See, I'm on the under. The public is on the over. The cash is on the under. I got Chiefs and Raiders both 15th and 16th in points per game. I'm going under 52 and a half. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. 
ctipico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kurt, Detroit, winless, but they're kind of a plucky little team, right? They've been, in, mm-hmm. they've been good in spots. Uh, I love that they came out running fake punts and surprise onside kicks in that game against the Rams a couple weeks ago. Nearly knocked them off. Yeah. They are coming off a bye. Steelers on a short week, right? So there's some factors here. But does any of that convince you that the Steelers laying seven and a half points would be a bad bet on Tipico? Like, what do you think about that? No. Is, this, is this too many points? I would not be concerned about that. And I will, I will hype every one of those reasons you just talked about all week long about why Pittsburgh should be concerned. The, the fact that Pittsburgh's coming off a short week, Lions coming off a bye week, the fact that, uh, you know, the Steelers have been playing just good enough to keep up. The fact that the Lions have been fairly competitive. I will I will talk that up all week long, but no, I will give those points. I think Pittsburgh's gonna come out and I think that they're gonna they're gonna handle it and I would definitely give the points this week. I just have a feeling that the the pieces on offense, the the Pat Fryermuth and the Najee Harris stuff, I think eventually that's really gonna click and I think you could pro I, I my prediction is I'm I'm been thinking about like bold predictions for the week and stuff i think this will be the highest scoring game for the steelers of the year i think it's going to be their best statistical season game of the season on offense i think they're gonna they're gonna run up a lot of points they're gonna run up a lot of yards um and so i i have no doubt that this week pittsburgh's going to handle their business i just i i think they're tired of the way they've been playing too i think they're tired of just being good enough to to beat bad teams and unless they're just completely, you know, they're, they're just completely disregarding the, the Lions, thinking about that, that Chargers game on the road the following week, which I, I can't imagine. If it were maybe the Bengals or Ravens, that might be an angle to look at, but I don't think they're looking ahead to that Chargers game. So I, I'll, I'll, I'll give those points this week. I'm sure they were preparing for the game on Sunday, but, you know, out of the corner of their eye, they had to be watching the Bills, right? The Bills lost to the Jaguars. <laughs> The Jaguars, yeah. how, how? So yeah. yeah, you better be on full yeah. alert and the opportunity is just there. You cannot drop this game. So yeah, yeah. so I'm with you. Yeah. Seven and a half against Jared Goff and company. I'm fine with that. I think the Steelers win by double digits. But you're expecting a yeah. high scoring game out of Pittsburgh. Now interesting, last mm-hmm. week's total was 40 even. And I bet the over, I actually did. I don't know why, I just had yeah. a gut feeling. And early in the fourth quarter, it was a little sketchy, but then Ray Ray McLeod fumbled the football and hell, all hell broke yeah. loose in that fourth quarter and points started going go. on the board and in the overhit. Well, the over under in this uh, Lions game forty two and a half. So you think the Steelers are going to score, Kurt? I you know I would mm-hmm. hope so against the Lions. The Lions offense is so freaking bad. Um, yeah, they're among the worst in the league. Sixteen point eight points per game. Uh, do you think they score enough against the Steelers to warrant an over bet in this one? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so. I, I think they're really going to struggle. I think that it's going to be the the same formula you've seen from Pittsburgh the last couple of weeks. I think they're really going to key in on the run game, 
And I don't think that Jared Goff is going to be able to move around enough back there to stay safe the way Justin Fields did. And so I don't think the Steelers are going to have to, they're not going to have to spy him. They're not going to have to, you know, play as much zone. Um, so yeah, I, I would probably still take the under, I think Pittsburgh's going to, going to put plenty of points up, but I'm just not sure where Detroit's going to get points unless it's special team stuff or off turnovers and things like that. I just, I think I think the Lions offense just does not match up very well against what Pittsburgh wants to do on defense. Yeah, I feel like Goff is good for a strip sack a game. You know, he's gonna yeah. he'll lose a fumble in his own territory at some point. Um yeah. but yeah, yeah. forty two and a half, it's still low, but I would take the under two. I, I agree. The Steelers, yeah, I think... unfortunately, they're not much better at scoring points. They're only only no. scoring twenty per game this year. So hopefully they yeah. can they can show us that that's uh that that's going to change here in the second half, Kurt. Because it's hard to win football games when you're only scoring twenty a game. It, it is in in today's NFL. It's it's damn near impossible. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. You, 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 at least if you're not going to score twenty a game, you better have thirty five in you once in a while. Yep. You know, you better you better know that you got thirty five in your pocket. I mean, ask the Chiefs what it's like when you can't score thirty five a game anymore. You know, that's that's how you end up where they're at right now. Because as soon as they figured out. Teams figured out we can keep Kansas City from scoring 35 a game. They start losing games, and that's that's the that's the worry for everybody in the NFL. I think is what happens when when a team who's who's steady on offense but not flashy suddenly has to be. Does Pittsburgh have that in them? And that's one of the things I think having this emergence of Pat Fryermuth I think really helps Pittsburgh in terms of their scoring down the you know down the stretch. I think the fact that he can just attack the middle of a defense um, is really going to help them down the road. Now you called it. You, did you call 10 touchdowns for Friar Muth this year? Where's he at? I did. Where's he at? I did. I think he's at, I think he's at what, six now oh, or something man, he's, like that? He's right on pace. He's, he's somewhere close to that. And he is on pace, man. He's coming on. You're going to be right. Double digit touchdowns. Yeah, for Friar he's, he's, uh, you know, it was nice that he finally got to meet Heath Miller last week for cool. the first time. I saw that photo. And yeah. uh, then he goes out and scores twice. You know, the, there's, I guess there's a quote floating around that Bruce Arians called Ben Roethlisberger right after they drafted Friermuth and said, you guys got a winner. He's as close as you'll ever find to Heath Miller. You're going to love playing with him. Yeah. So He looks good. He looks really good, and I love that he's becoming a, a focal part of the offense. It's good stuff. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. So that's our show for this week. For Kurt, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Enjoy some football this weekend. We'll catch you next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.